Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into today's episode with photographer and film producer Hiram Garcia, just wanted to let you know about our new Patreon page. Um, if you've been enjoying the podcast and would like to support, you can go to patreon.com slash thephotobanter. Um, if you sign up, you'll get access to the podcast two days early. Um, so like I said, if you've been enjoying and would like to support, it'd be much appreciated. It's uh, patreon.com slash thephotobanter. And on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Hiram Garcia, who is also the current president of productions at Seven Bucks Productions, where he has produced films such as Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Skyscraper, and Hobbs and Shaw, to name a few. In today's podcast, I speak to Hiram about how he got into photography, his artistic approach, and I also speak to Hiram about his new book titled Through the Lens, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, His Life, His Movies, His World which documents over two decades of personal and working relationship with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hiram has traveled the world with Dwayne Johnson working on blockbuster movies, and in his new book, Hiram gives you a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into working on these big production projects. Hiram is someone who has accomplished a lot and brings a unique perspective to still photography, having also worked extensively in video production. I hope you enjoy, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, Hiram Garcia, welcome to the podcast, man. Excited to talk to you. You got a brand new book coming out, um, all the stuff you do with movies. So I'm really excited to talk to you about everything you kind of do within your world. Um, but I guess to start off, I was kind of curious, uh, how's the last five months been for you, man? Like crazy times for any human being on this planet to be alive. But I guess how's life, man? I'm telling you. Well, first off, man, thanks for having me on the show. It's it's so nice to to meet you over this Zoom, um, and exciting to talk to you. So yeah, you know, look, the the last five months have been crazy, like it's been for everyone, right? You know, I feel like um, we're all doing our best to take these curveballs as they come. You never plan for it. Look, as I think, as you know, producers and in, in in the film industry, our job is to be like, well, we're ready for anything, but we were never thinking about this. <laughs> you yeah. know, you're never thinking about this, and. And like everyone, I think it just, you, you never imagined that this was going to come, but, you know, just done our best to stay safe, keep working, planning for the other side when we come through it, while doing our part to make sure we're being responsible and, and following guidelines to make sure we keep everyone else safe. And um, and it feels like we're starting to see a little bit of that light now at the end of the tunnel. You know, we've, we've worked really hard over the last five months to come up with protocols and plans that we can put in place to most importantly keep everyone safe and then get people back to work um and starting to get some normalcy back into business and and you know creating content for fans and so forth so it feels like we're starting to move in that direction and and uh, i'm glad we are yeah i was, I was thinking about that because for like the the type of productions you guys are making like jumanji hobbs and shaw or even like ballers um maybe a lot of people don't realize this watching it as a fan a lot of these sets there could be over 100 plus people 150 people on these sets so it's like yeah. just like how you guys is that how you guys been navigating that with COVID and stuff like how, how do you kind of create the protocols and stuff just to make it happen because I know myself I work in like commercial photography where the sets are small it's like 10 to 15 but even yeah uh, navigating in our world has been kind of interesting and everyone's kind of do it doing it differently no, it, it is. And, you know, and, and you called it, you know, on one of our productions, we'll have over 300 people working on set. And that's just the onset. That doesn't include construction and so forth, you know, the people at the production office and, 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 and so on. So um, and that's where you feel the weight of that responsibility. We got to keep everyone safe, but we also want to get everyone back working. So, look, we've been very fortunate. The movie we're doing now is Red Notice and we're doing that with Netflix and 
they're as you know the perfect partner. You know, they they are uh, not only are they titans in the business, but they're so determined to make sure everything is being done right and safely. And so we've worked closely, you know, with doctors, Netflix, and the unions, and we've created these huge manuals on just how to go about filming. And filming is complicated now. You know, there's no joke. It's not a walk in the park, but um, it's what needs to be done to make sure everyone's safe. But it's, you know, tons of testing, it's bubbles, it's sequestering, it's pod systems, you name it, it's very intense. But, um, you know, as we step back and, and you know, our, our partners have done such a great job and our line producers, but now we take a step back and we feel confident in like, our filming set is probably going to be the safest place to be in the state it's in. You know, it's one of those vibes where we've worked hard and look, it's no joke. I mean, Netflix has stepped up in a major way because you can imagine the costs that come with something like that, but yep. they've, they've been there the whole step of the way. And, and, you know, importantly, our crew and our cast feel safe now with what we've done. And that's, what's going to allow us to get back to filming. Yeah. And uh, one more question about the film stuff before we get into your photography, yeah. which I'm excited yeah, to talk to you about. Because myself, I'm a movie junkie, man. Before this yeah. happened, man, I had, I, I go to Regal Cinemas and they had, like, the, <laughs> they had, like, you guys probably don't like this, but it's like 23 bucks. It's unlimited. You can go to, oh, all it's the, the best. It was great. And I was, I was seeing everything. And, but like, for you, you're working in this business, the movie business. Like, do you think movie theaters are going to exist the same way? Um, they have been going forward or what's your kind of take on this? Like, I guess. Look, I, I think the movie, I think going to cinema is always going to exist, right? I think, you know, there's, there's a joy in, you know, going to the movies is a communal experience and there's nothing like when you're at a movie, you know, you think a horror movie, like a horror movie by yourself, eh, but a horror movie with a group of people screaming and then everyone laughs because they scream, like it's a communal fun experience. The business was evolving regardless. I think what's happening is it's, it's always uh, been evolving. And I think, you know, COVID has kind of progressed things. I don't think it's ever going to go away, but I think it's going to continue to evolve. And I think you're going to start to see a bigger gap between what people feel uh, fits better on streaming and what feels fits theatrically. And I do think for theatrically, people just want to know that they are going to the theater for an experience. And I think you want to make sure that that experience feels different than what you would get at home. Um, and I think that's where it's going. Like, look, I think those gigantic tentpole superhero movies, you know, an Avengers, a Black Adam, uh, I think those are the kind of movies that you want to go to the theater. It's, it's you know, it's the top of the, the, the food chain in terms of effects, scale, yeah. it's massive. You want to watch it with fans, you want to cheer. But then I think there's other genres that, you know, no longer play as well in cinema. And that's fine. I think you never want to be against change, right? Like change is going to happen. So you either get on board or you yeah. get left behind. And for us, it's like it, people aren't saying they don't want to receive content. They still want content. They just want it in different ways. And it's our job as, as content creators to just deliver on that. So whether we're delivering to streaming, to TV, network, or cinema, like there's stories to tell and we want to tell them. But I do think theatrical will always live and I mean look even in these times there's been a resurgence in drive-ins right like those were really diving down drive-ins have come back in a way I think people ultimately just want to have options and there's something fun to leave in the house on a big event um, they just want to know that it's worth their money and it's our job as filmmakers to make sure we're making something that's worth that yeah it's interesting and it's been cool to see like because Netflix a bunch of their productions they've been actually putting them in theaters too like last yeah. year I saw um I forget what movie I saw but they were putting a few, a few of their productions in theaters so they're kind of doing both worlds which is kind of yeah. interesting to see you know yeah uh, agreed for sure and I guess to to go back I guess I was kind of curious like where you grew up and like 
how do you sure. kind of get into photography? Like, did you always kind of envision yourself kind of working in a creative career path like you're in now? You know, I, so I grew up in Jersey. Uh, I'm, a, you know, a Northeast, a tri-state area guy. And I, I didn't know I was ever going to be in film or uh, photography. Uh, so many times I wish I did because I always feel like I, I wish I knew more now. Like, I just want to be further ahead of the game. Um, but I was always a creative guy. So I was a music major growing up. Music was always my focus. And I always felt most comfortable in creative spaces. I actually thought that my path was going to take me um, into the music side of the world. That's what I studied in college at University of Miami. That's where I went to school. Um, and, you know, I, I, into, you know I, I got a degree in music business and entertainment. Uh, and I, I started working a little bit in the music industry. And it just didn't fit. I just, you know, my, my tastes didn't align. I think the first thing you always have to do whenever you're in the, the business of creating content, right? I think if you want to produce to the masses, I think you have to have a real honest conversation with yourselves and be like, do my tastes align with the public? And I just was not aligning. Like I knew right away, you know what, the stuff that I'm liking is not what the majority of people are liking, you know? So um, I kind of faded out of, of that and was lost. And I had always helped DJ creatively. You know, I've known him since I was like 14. Wow. I've always helped him creatively with dialogue for the rock and creating like catchphrases and so forth. And when he got an opportunity to work on Scorpion King, um, you know, he reached out to me and he was like, Hey brother, he's like, you want to come along? He's like, I've never done this. He's like, let's, let's figure it out together and see how it is. And I said, sure. I, I, I didn't like my job anyway. I dropped my job, went over there, but it was instant. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a producer. Like, and from that moment on, I had now focus, like, and I was lost and I had focus and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I have no film experience. I've never read a script or anything, but I'm going to figure it out. Like that's the plan. And I started on a very long journey towards um, film production. And, uh, and ultimately that is, you know, on the side, I've always loved art and creating. So I always loved photography, but that path of film is what allowed me then to start to really explore photography um, as a hobby. And then what turned into actually a nice uh, profession as well. What was it about that first production, Scorpion King? I think you said what kind of like what was kind of light that went off for you? What did, what did you kind of like about that ex initial ex experience? I guess. Yeah, I think the whole, I think just the process of making films, and I, I think you know, I think for me, I, I felt like this was a platform that would give me an opportunity to tell big stories, and I felt like my instincts aligned with what the audience is like, like things that were really successful. I really liked. And I felt a synergy there that like, you know, I think I have a shot here because I'm not liking stuff that the world like, you know, like, you know, oh, I love it and they don't love it. Like we were always in sync. And I think that ability to go, well, I think in big story terms um, and my, my instincts for storytelling seems to align with what the public likes made me start to feel like there was a synergy there that really clicked. And then just the whole atmosphere of being able to create and kind of do these big stories and, and, and the idea of being able to, because I look, you're a fan as well. You know what like a powerful film, what it can do to you. Like it, yeah. it's like, it blows your mind. It adds creativity. You go to bed, you start thinking of possibilities. What could be, who knows? Like, I love that ability to inspire, um, to inspire creation, to create a moment of like, levity if, if people are experiencing something something tough they can go to one of our films and feel good at the end you know we take pride in not telling stories that make you feel sad at the end you know we do like to leave you floating in some way so to be able to create that escapism that you felt when you were watching like a you know jurassic park back in the day or star wars like 
what a dream. It was just one of those things where you just knew this was the fit. And I didn't know if I was going to get there. You never know. But yeah. I knew I didn't have a plan B. So I'm like, I better just go for it. Because if not, I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the cool thing about like, even like photography world, like, there's so many photographers that I've worked for that have been like really successful, and they didn't go to school for it or anything. They just kind of started like as a like, production assistant or like working for a photographer in their studio. And even some of my friends, my friends that grew up out in Hollywood and he's worked on like Ford versus Ferrari and some other projects. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you just started from the bottom. And it seems like the film industry, if you want to show up and like put in that sweat and the blood, sweat and tears, you know, like there's, there's a spot for you. That's the truth, man. And look, and I did, I didn't go to film for it at all. And I did similar to what you said, you know, it's like, it's funny. I did that. I did that, that film with DJ, I did two films with DJ, um, you know, and then, coming away from it, I just realized if I really wanted to be a producer, I needed to learn from the bottom. Like I needed to get in it. And I, I went back to Miami and I was a production assistant for years, working commercials just from the bottom, from like sweeping absurd amount of Starbucks runs, which is why I like, I, I never want to order Starbucks on my own because I'm like, <laughs> I did so many brutal Starbucks runs in South Beach. Like, and I get a half calf, half decaf, <laughs> double, I'm like, oh my God. So, um, but like in it, you know, grinding in the beauty of doing that in, especially as commercials in Miami is I was able to mix around and do a little bit of everything. Cause it's not really, you know, it's non-union. So I was able to like, I was driving people, I was helping grips, helping gaffers, like really learning the business. So I could just understand the language and the culture of it um, and prep myself to then try and circle back around while I was learning. Like, you know, I was a film nerd, watching everything, especially the stuff that didn't work. So I could see why wasn't it working and what can I learn from that to apply to my projects, but really just putting myself through the paces. So hopefully I could get another shot to get back in and play at a bigger level. And eventually I was able to. Yeah. Cause like as a film producer, like that's one interesting thing I was kind of interested in talking to you about is like, like what's your role on a project? And like, if someone wants to be a producer, like what, what skills do they need to have? Like, do you need to understand like how the cameras and lighting work or what, as, how do you kind of view the job as like a producer, I guess? Well, there's, there's different kinds of producers, right? You know, so it's like, and there's different ways to be a producer. You can be a line producer. If you want, if you're just like a great money guy, you can just be the guy that you're all about holding the line, right? You know, mm -hmm. we call them line producers because their job's to hold the line, make sure everything's on budget, make sure everything's coming right, making sure everything fits the numbers. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a creative producer and an overall producer where the films are ours. So, you know, it can, the producer, it's funny. It's one of those jobs. We do everything in essence, you know, we've usually climbed from the bottom. Um, it's a lot of putting together the whole project, maybe thinking of a project, finding a writer who can do it or seeking out a project that a writer's already found, getting it going, um, finding a director who wants to do something. If he really is looking for something, then finding the project that he fits, like you want to put it all together and then kind of oversee and make sure that you're staying within the tone tone of the project that you want. Um, you are the main liaison between you and the studio. If you're, you know, obviously you can independent producer, uh, you can, you know, we're fortunate enough that we've done both. We've done independent movies and then we've worked with the big studios. We tend to be the liaison between the studio who's the money behind the project. Um, yeah. But the truth is, is a producer wears many hats and it all kind of falls on your shoulders when, you know, the you're, you're the guy who's guiding the production with, you know, your director. So, uh, it's fun. It keeps you busy. It's a lot of work, but you know, you have to learn to juggle a ton of things because you have a bunch of, you know, kind of small balls that you're rolling up a big hill. And every day you just push one a little bit more, a little bit more, and then reset, push, push, push. and which one picks up some steam, right? Let me push this one a little bit more, but keep them all going. You want to keep all those fires, those, those kind of, you know, balls juggling so that 
when one's ready to hit, you can go and then you have another one ready to go behind it. But yeah. um, it's fun, yeah. man. It keeps you busy for and sure. I would imagine like you got to be good with people because you're dealing with a lot of different personalities, yeah. egos, yeah. and every project's different. Like, yeah. do, you, do you feel like having that skill set has kind of even helped like your own still photography work, you think? Oh, yeah. I, I think, look, anything, I think they're all connected, right? And, and working on a... Um, you know, working on production definitely gives you an advantage. Just understanding etiquette and how to deal with, you know, if you're, photo you know, if you're photographing someone, how to be with them, how they like to be treated, to give them the space. Um, really just learning how to read the moments. You know, I think there's times where you can shoot, there's times where you, where you can't, but um, they're all connected. I think any kind of, of content creation, you can find threads through them all and how to be. But at the end of the day, I think every business you want to be good with people. I think, you know, it's just a credit to you. And it's like, there's definitely, we've seen people who have made careers not being nice, but I never want to be one of those people. Right. You know, I think it's, we have a motto. We've always said that, um, you know, it's, it's nice to be important, but it's, it's more important to be nice. And that, that's something we, we truly live by. Definitely, man. And I guess like, how do you kind of initially get into photography? Like when did you kind of first pick up a camera and like, how do you kind of get into it? I guess. I've always loved photography and um, it's funny. And I, you know, I would try and dabble with it. I, you know, I, you know, especially coming up, you know, as your production system, I have no cash to buy a camera or anything. So you're just kind of hobbling around. You have a dream of it. You know, I, I always joke. It's like you, you have these dreams of like, man, I'd love to be a kick-ass rock drummer, a Kung Fu master. <laughs> And a photographer, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know, photography was something I always wanted. And I had started, I had gotten to a point where I had this kind of big giant kit, you know, I like earned up and I had like, you know, a giant Nikon, you know, DSLR, but they're huge. And yeah, the lens is huge. Grip and all that. Yeah. And then you're afraid of traveling with it. I didn't want to put it on a plane because I don't want to get damaged because, you know, I was too cheap to have an actual carrying case. So like you're kind of half in it and like a camera bag. Um, Dude, I wrap, I, wrap, I, I wrap my cameras in my sweatshirt. Yeah. I'm so bad. Yeah, I, take, I have a backpack because I don't like camera you bags. Know? It's just like yeah. I'm wrapping I, a sweatshirt. I've <laughs> done that. Yeah, around the lens, you rank like a tag top or something <laughs> super janky. Um, and, uh, and it just got to the point where I wasn't getting shots because I wasn't bringing my gear. So it was actually right around Baywatch. Um, you, know, you know, mirrorless cameras were really starting to explode and you could get – killer camera like pro level camera super tiny and i remember just saying to myself you know what i'm gonna try this i'm gonna go i'm gonna get one of these small mirrorless cameras and i'm gonna get a prime uh, a 55 prime and this is it this is my kit i'm just gonna keep it with me and i'm just gonna shoot when i can and you know whenever i can um and that was the first movie that i started doing it on and we had a run of movies there where it was it was we did all back to back to back baywatch fast and furious 7 Jumanji, welcome to the jungle, all overlapping. And Baywatch was the first one I started shooting. And we ended up, as I was doing it, um, you know, I was teaching myself more. I was like, oh, how do I figure out how to do this? You know, editing and, you know, files and so forth. And we ended up using a lot of my stuff for the digital campaign. And wow. uh, there, was, there was a particular shot in, in the book that, I, that I, I've always loved. And it was a shot of DJ and Alex um, Daddario. Uh, and it was kind of like, my homage to an Alex Ross kind of painting. If you've ever seen, you know, the comic book artist, he draws him a certain way and yeah. the photo came out like that. And that was where I really started to be like, you know what, there's something here. It's like, this is a real, and what it was, it was a great creative outlet for me because you're, you're so focused on producing the movie and you're doing all the stuff and dialogue and scenes and blah, 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 blah. But there's this one space where once everything was running, 
I could kind of, you know, go and sneak a couple shots and get cool angles and a cool behind the scenes vibe, um, which I had access to because fortunately it was the film I was producing. So, you know, you have a little bit more leeway than if it, it wasn't your film. And from there, it just really fed my, my hunger for it. And then I became, it became my biggest kind of hobby away from film where I was like teaching myself and learning how to do stuff and figuring it out. Like what do I do this? YouTube, were you just kind of YouTube? YouTube. YouTube, buddy. Like dude, YouTube, YouTube's the best. In, YouTube. I wish I honestly didn't even go to photo school. Dude, <laughs> you don't have the debt. Dude, I can learn. So. You can learn everything. You can, and it doesn't matter what program. I'm in Lightroom. I'm in Photoshop. How do I do this? Like dodging and burning. You name. Like it will teach you everything. There's, there's another and, good one I, I recommend to people all the time. It's called Lynda.com. I think Microsoft might have bought it. It's all online courses. They have. Oh wow. It's amazing. Anybody wants to, yeah. be, it's, and it's not even just Photoshop. You can learn video editing, whatever. It's, it's an amazing uh, program. I love it. And look, that's the key. And I think in anything you do, especially in any kind of creative content, you always want to just keep learning, right? You should never reach a wall where you're like, oh, I know everything. No, there's always something new um, and, and, and ways. And then going back and looking at, like, when you look at the OGs, um, you know, it's like you just realize, like, they were doing stuff back then that like people are killing themselves to try and do in Lightroom and they were just doing it, you know, in, in the dark room and they were just doing, you know, their, their kind of editing and especially with black and whites, which I always really, you know, lean towards. So it's, um, yeah, it's awesome to just keep adding to your repertoire and just, just growing as a photographer. Yeah, I always I always think it's interesting um, when I think of like Ansel Adams, like because people think of him like because back in his day, he was shooting like eight by 10 black and white. Yeah. But yeah. he was using like the best tools he could at that time. So I oh, always think, yeah. like, if Ansel Adams was around now, I feel like he probably would be using like the top notch digital stuff because he was just using whatever tools he had to make his art the best. And it's like yeah. you kind of continually keep learning. And so I always think about that for some reason. I don't know why, but. It's but, but it's such a great point because I think what happens is I think a lot of people think, oh, that shot was, you know, there's that famous Henry VIII Cartier-Bresson, the one of the, the man jumping over the, yep. you know, have you ever seen the, all the other shots in the series? Like there's, it's a mixture of shooting, making sure, and then being able to choose the iconic one. But you, you know, I, I laugh sometimes when I think people are like, oh, they just took it just, and everything was there. It's like, no man, like, you know, Ansel Adams was doing crazy post stuff in the dark room. He was just doing it old school style. But like, like you're saying, if he was, if he was around today, he would be crushing it with, with Lightroom and so forth and doing the same kind of things, but using whatever he had, because ultimately you just want to create the image that you have in your head, right? Exactly. And half of it is, is grabbing the image, but that first shot may not be what you really see in your head. And then you want to help it get to there. Yep. And, and that's kind of the beauty of it being art. Yeah, the camera is just a tool. And yeah, yeah. Have you, feel like, have you gotten like, you feel like you learned a lot because you've gotten to work with like some of the best cinematographers, DPs in the world. Like they're doing the top notch work. Like, have you been able to like kind of pick their brains and kind of just see how they operate in this like, because I mean, they're the best at what they do. Yeah, you know, there's there's little bits to get from everyone. And look, I, I'll pick everyone's brains from our DPs to, you know, our first camera guys to, you know, our set photographers. And there's something to learn from everyone. And, you know, what are you doing? What are you using? Um, you know, and look, I, I'm a guy that I've always said, uh, I just use the light that's there, right? Like, I, 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 I don't light for anything. And, if, you know, I'm always going to take advantage of these beautifully lit sets that we have and find cool angles that maybe the the you know the main camera's not seeing but but just figuring out lenses and learning to use lenses and cool kind of looks and filters and so forth you know on, on the movie we're doing now they're doing some really cool 
um, stuff with the lenses, with using old school lenses, and and um, wow, you know, cool. it, just it's just a you know, we did that on Jungle Cruise where the lenses had a cool tint that just gave it a vibe of like you know those films from back in like the fifties and so forth. So stuff like that is is just fun to learn because it just adds to your toolkit, you know. But but. I mean, when, whenever you have, uh, you know, you know, like we shot with Skyscraper with, with Bob Ellswit, who's, who's an Oscar-nominated DP. I mean, you know, and he was always, he always had a camera around his neck. So we used to come and nerd out and talk about it. He had this old school Leica on his neck with like these great, you know, like a great um, Noctilux on there from like back. I'm like, oh my God, so <laughs> dope. And, and you just watch him, OG. He pulled focus so fast on that Leica, dude. Like, I mean, like nothing. Like, what, what, bam. And I'm like, how do you do that? So I'm like hunting and finding it's just, it. It's, just an ex- <laughs> it's an extension of his body at this point. I'm telling you, really, yeah. really. So cool. Yeah, and like, how do you, has your approach to like uh, photographing on these film sets changed? And like, how do you kind of approach it now? Like, do you kind of, on each project, do you ever kind of like go in with a plan of like how you want to document it? Or is it just kind of how it comes? No, you know, well, the, the evolution of it was really, it's, 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 I'm always loose with it. You let the, my, the moment kind of speak to itself, but I do know I'll come in saying, okay, look, I know I want to get a key shot. I, I know we're shooting this scene today. I love this hero look. I love this set. Um, the only thing that has adjusted has, you know, from before, like before Baywatch, after it now, there's just a point of being like, you know, the studio will want me to take the, the first look shot. Like, you know, let me make sure I'm the one who grabs the first look shot. They like the way I may shoot it or something like that. Um, just knowing that uh, there's key things we want to grab to also be able to tell the proper narrative for the movie we're doing. You know, there's always a story you want to tell along with the film we're making. And so as a producer of the film, to be able to help guide that narrative, it's really uh you know, it's really advantageous because there's a, there's a story we always want to tell with these things. And obviously, you know, I work with Dwayne Johnson a ton and he's a master of social media and he always has a great story he wants to tell. So to be able to help support him and take the shots that he wants, that's going to be able to support the story he's trying to tell. It's always a lot of fun. And it's just another creative outlet, you know, ultimately of a way to just get your, your, your imprint on the film. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, and I was really excited to talk to you about, you got a brand new book coming out. Uh, yeah, man. It's called titled The Rock Through the Lens, His Life, His Movies, His World. I was kind of curious, like, how that came all together and, like, how did you kind of know you were ready to kind of put the book together, I guess? You know, I was I was actually looking through – it's weird. It's one of those things where I shoot so much, um, and I think a lot of photographers do this. You shoot so much, but you never print. Uh, I never print out photos. I had never really done it, and um, I was – there was something going on, and I wanted to – print something out for D. I was like, you know what, let me look through a shot. And as a present, I was going to give him a printed out shot. And as I was going through all these images, I hadn't really stopped and just looked at the body of work that we had kind of created. And I was like, you know, there might be, there might be something here. I'm having such a blast looking at this. And I showed him everything. He was like, oh my God, this is crazy. We forgot so many of these moments. And, um, you know, I, I went and I, I had some conversations with my agents. I'm like, you know, I think there's a story here to tell. I think there's a fun book I could do. And, you know, we reached out to, and right away we had synergy with St. Martin's. They, they, you know, they really loved the idea um, and found a perfect partner. And we got right on to it. And, and it just was a very seamless progress process. Um, because, again, it's, it's one of those things we're working so much, you know, we're, we're kind of shooting so much. It's not too often you get to stop and just look back on all the stuff you've done. And when you do, it's, it's a really nice exercise. Just taking a moment to breathe and see the stuff you've done. So I was really happy we were able to create a book and, and tell the stories behind basically the history of our friendship and a lot of the stuff we've experienced together. 
Yeah, I really like how you put it together because you had three sections. I believe it's uh, it's what his movies, his life, and then what's the other one? Uh, his world. Um, yeah. I guess what was the process of like editing it? Did you kind of edit the whole thing yourself, or did you kind of get input from other editors, or like how did you approach this kind of putting it all together? I guess. I had a great editor, um, you know, at St. Martin's, Elizabeth Byer, who really, you know, she's a master of this stuff, and she really kind of helped direct me and then you know we she she helped give it a body and then we started picking photos between her me and dj of what we really liked and then you know i just started kind of telling the stories behind him and writing out the stories and and you know some of the images speak for themselves and some of them have just a lot of you know really fun backstories but i had never done a book before so i leaned heavily on my editor just in terms of how to go about it what's a good way to lay it out and um she was so uh, helpful in it. And I'm really happy with the way it turned out. I thought it was a nice breakup. I thought it, was, it gives you nice slices of all these aspects of his life and, and ultimately gives a, a nice platform to tell some of these cool stories behind the images. Yeah, it was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And like, uh, how did you kind of initially meet uh, Dwayne Johnson? So I met him back in, shoot, I met him, I think I was like 14. So he was actually, him and my sister were dating when they were in college and I was uh, a scrawny high school kid where you can see some of those pictures that are cringy of, uh, of, of looking at. I like to show you had, a, you had a, you had a Sega sports t-shirt. Yeah, dude. Oh yeah, dude, Sega. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually how me and him met. So we met and the first thing we did was we played, say uh, we played hockey nhl hockey on sega genesis Classic, man. uh it was it was one of the things we kind of met and bonded over um but it's you know they they dated then they eventually ended up getting married you know we've just always been this family dynamic they you know later got divorced somehow they grew closer she ended up managing him and we've just always had this creative trilogy uh, trinity kind of between the three of us um we work really well together we're all really ambitious very hungry to tell stories try and do big things um and have we stayed close so but you know he and i have always been kind of on the road whether it be doing stuff with wrestling for wwe uh filming doing both wwe and filming we have just kind of these crazy adventures um and look i have two sisters and i never had like a brother but he would be the closest thing i'd have to a brother and like what do you kind of remember about back then like early on like did he always kind of have that like confidence and drive that like all these like hundreds of millions of people we all kind of see it on his instagram on a day-to-day thing but like has he always just kind of been that person with that drive and like confidence or what do you kind of remember about him? Like, when Yeah. You- First off, he was always huge. Always huge. I mean, the dude is just, you're a big guy big. too, man. I saw yeah, you guys standing I mean, next I, to each other. Yeah. <laughs> I look, I'm, I'm six, five. And look, even as a high school kid, you, you think more of yourself. I mean, I thought I was bigger, you know, at that age. And I look at that picture. I'm like, yeah, I had like two strings hanging from my shirt. Those are my arms. Um, so he was always big, but he was always charming. Like he was always just funny and charming. Like, there was never, it's one of the great things about DJ and he's got a lot of great things. Is there was never like, oh, now he's changed. Like he's always just been the same guy. He's just this charming, glowing personality who's funny, confident. Um, you know, I always remember there was this really fun, I always said it was foreshadowing of what was to come. We had, it was, it was when I was first visiting, it was the, 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 the trip where I first met him and me, him and Danny all went to the movie theaters and we went to go see, I believe it was Double Impact. It was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where he plays like twins. And I remember a scene, uh, something happened and, and D, you know, DJ doing it to make us laugh. But he was like, I can do that. You know, and it, I just always remember that moment. It was really well-timed and foreshadowing. Yes, he can, he can do that. <laughs> Look at us now. He's a, an action star and more in his own right. So uh, yeah, o- always, but always been that guy, just fun, um, you know, and very driven. 
really driven, great work ethic, uh, always founded in the gym. And then from there, just, uh, you know, persevering outside and, and really just, uh, just a killer, a killer of a, of a, of a human. Yeah. Like in one of the photos in your book, uh, the caption, I think it was something to the effect. It was like, you asked him like, Hey, like DJ, why have you never worked with the trainer? And he's like, Oh, because, yeah. because no one can push me as hard as I can push myself. And I was like, Oh damn, man, that's like, that's hardcore. Yeah. That's no joke because then you got me that I'm begging for a trainer. I'm like, please make me work out. But it's like, you know, he, he's a, uh, and I loved when he said that. I never forget when he said that. And I did ask him, I'm like, how come you don't, you know, have a trainer or anything like that? And it was very simple and it wasn't made arrogant. It's just like, cause no one can push me as hard as I can push uh, myself. And I thought that was very, um, very uh, apropos for a person who's achieved what he's achieved. Um, and really from just kind of grinding with his, with his own two hands. And has he always been comfortable with you kind of photographing him and stuff like that? Cause I always think that like, I mean, that guy's like the biggest movie star in the world. Like one of them, like at a certain point, like that guy has a camera in his face, like all the time. Like has he always just kind of been comfortable with you photographing him? And like, how do you kind of approach it? I guess. Yeah, a hundred percent. Look, you know, first off, we know each other so well, so um, I can always read the room. We've never had a situation where he's like, ah, oh, man, you know, don't take a picture. I, Because I would know. I would know not to take a picture. But I'm also very, you know, I, I pride myself on candidates. Um, you know, that's that's my, my what, what I really like to do. And so a lot of times I have a camera somewhere and I'll just subtly take it out, maybe shoot from my lap or something like that. Um, you know, and then always show it to him because he also knows I have his back. There's never going to be an image that's shown that we don't both like. Yeah, you know, you're, it's not like, to, you're not trying to get him. Yeah, yeah, it's not. You know, these are memories for us. And we go so fast and so hard um, that it's like these are the things that we do that allow us to kind of just look back and, and enjoy it in some way because everything happens so fast. And before you know it, it's like, you know, WrestleMania, win the belt, done, go start filming. And you're like, oh, my God, we just broke records at Miami. Um, you know, it's like it all happened so fast, but we were already on a plane moving over here so we could go continue shooting this. It's like these are just the ways that we're able to not only celebrate those moments amongst ourselves, but share them with our family that we're often away from because we're traveling around so much. Yeah, I mean, one of the most powerful photos in the book for me was it was this uh, black and white photo of uh, Dwayne uh, on, the, on the plane. And it was, he was writing the eulogy for his father who had just passed away. And it was just like those like short little moments. And it's like, yeah like you said, you guys are constantly moving a million miles an hour, but with something like that, it just kind of shows you life can come at you quick and it just kind of slows you down a little bit. It's just a real powerful photo, I thought. Thank you so much. Yeah, and you know, that was one of those things that I wanted to take for him. I knew he was, he had really been, um, you know, thinking about and, and wanting to do something really special and just find the perfect words, which he ended up doing it. You know, I remember, I don't even think he read off of that book. I think it all just came from his heart, but he, he really just wanted to, to, to say the perfect words as we celebrated, you know, Rocky's life. Um, and I just remember it was just us on the plane. We, we had just left Atlanta. We were flying to, to Tampa and um, I just had my, my camera on my lap and I'm like, he just, I could just see him so lost in thought. Uh, and I'm, you know, I figured he might appreciate this moment because also there, there's, there's something to it. He, he does appreciate those little snaps when he kind of really gets into things and just looks from outside. And when I gave it to him, he really responded to it. And he, you know, he was, he was comfortable with me sharing it because he really appreciated the image. Yeah. Cause I, I really like the, the, the series with all the photos like in his life, where it's just like, it just shows him as a person. Like for, yeah. for the most part, a lot of us, we see him in the movies, in the advertisement, whatever you may yeah. be, but this kind of shows him like, yeah, he's a movie star, but he's just, he's just a normal person, just like us. He's just a human, you know? 
Yeah. And I look, I think that's one of the reasons why he's so popular. I think people feel um, like they truly know him because he's very open, especially through social media. You know, he lets people in and he's been open about challenges he's had in his life, whether it be depression. You know, the, the name of our company, Seven Bucks, is basically, you know, uh, is, is based in the concept of his lowest moment in his life when, when he got cut from the CFL. He had literally all he had to his name was seven dollars. Um, and that was the moment where he made the decision, I'm going to give up the football dream and now I'm going to start doing a new path, pursuing a new path, which was wrestling, which then led to film. Um, so always been very open about that. And I, I truly do think that's why he attracts so many people, I think, because they can just feel the authenticity to him that he may look like a superhero and he's like this megastar. But at the end of the day, he's just one of us. He's had ups and downs. He just believes in hard work. Um, you know, and, and nothing makes him happier than just kind of being with his family and having his girls with him and, and, and having some fun. Yeah, another really powerful picture um, was a photo of a, a young kid. I think his name was Gabriel. Uh, his nickname was Tater Single. Tater, yeah. And, uh, really sad story, but it just kind of showed this kind of amazing thing you guys do. Um, I believe, I don't know if he had cancer or some terminal illness and he really wanted yeah. to meet the rock. I guess like, what do you remember about that day? And is that kind of something you guys do a lot of just kind of. We love it. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's one of the most special things we get to do. And, you know, he, Dwayne's always had a very close relationship with Make-A-Wish. And we make a point of it on every film to basically, you know, we'll go and he'll host a couple wishes and we'll bring a bunch of the kids in. We pull in all our partners and we make just a really special day for them on set. There's tons of junk food and candy and cookies and cakes and, you know, all the actors come and hang out with them. And, you know, Microsoft usually helps us out and sets up a bunch of Xboxes and, you know, and just give these kids just a day of their life. And he spends time with them. He keeps coming and visiting, um, hanging out with them. And, you know, they kind of walk away with, with all these kind of goodies from him. And it's such a special moment. And I'll always remember, you know, Tater was, you know, we were filming Baywatch. It was during Baywatch. And this big campaign online kind of surge of just about this kid who loved DJ. And, um, you know, he was really battling uh, in a tough battle and we pulled it together really fast and we made this special day. Uh, we set up, you know, we had all this fun food there. We had all these gifts and Tater was this super charming, just young man who had been, you know, dealt a tough hand. Um, but man, they had the best day. It was so much fun. And, you know, Tater was a massive fan and we made these special posters of Tater in the middle of these action movies, made this great one of him <laughs> on a Baywatch poster running wow. <laughs> with, with the bodyboard and just, just a beautiful soul. And, and he was so lit up that day. And it's, you know, so touching to see his family was just having fun and, and watching everything through Tater's eyes. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you know, Tater moved on and we lost him, but he was, he'll always be with us. That was a really special day. I was so happy I was able to capture some of those moments. I have so many that I've kept for myself from then of just those special times, but it's, look, it's one of the, one of the great things about what we get to do in our position that we can bring so much happiness to so many people. And it's one of the, the all time best things about DJ is his desire, no matter what's going on. He sees a little kid, everything stops. And yep. he's going to come over and say hello to the little kid, um, you know, and, and just give a moment to him because he knows what it means to him. And, you know, you, it's like, this is what it's all about. So um, Tater, Tater, Tater's a great one. And that was a really special moment. And, you know, we always keep him in our thoughts and our hearts. And, and his family was a beautiful family as well. Yeah, definitely. It was a very powerful picture. Thank and, you. Uh, another one. I was jealous, man. This must have been an amazing experience. You got to photograph at the Saturday Night Live writer's room. 
like I don't think I've ever even really seen a photo from that to be honest so it was kind of cool it was a picture of like Dwayne and all the writers kind of working together and I think um uh, what's the guy who runs uh Saturday Night Live uh the head guy oh yeah 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 um yeah now you're making yeah yeah um whatever um, i'll think yeah, of it yeah. sure. <laughs> it was like the main guy who runs the saturday night live i guess what was kind of your experience photographing the saturday night live on set because you even got some cool photos of Dwayne, like in the elvis costume it seemed like a cool yeah, yeah. project it's always look it's always an honor to do saturday night live right it's always an honor and it's an intense week people have no idea how intense that week is because you're doing so much in one week to get ready to film live um, and I'm really proud of that picture. That picture is, it's, that is such a rare peek into the process. Can't lie, it was a bit of a, you know, I had to be really stealth about that. That was, you know, I, I could tell, I could like, tell. Uh, that, that's like, a, a boop, you know, really. <laughs> yeah. um, but I loved it because it, it, I, I thought everyone, you know, it's, it's a flattering picture. Everyone looks good. You really see, you know, uh, you know, them kind of watch and just listening and all the writers there just kind of start pitching ideas and it's just the, the beginning of the creative process of what's ultimately going to be the sketches but I really love that shot it's 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 a it's a really special shot to me and it was it required stealth I'm usually very kind of open just cool but I knew that that was a, a slick shot because that is as it is you know when it comes to SNL they actually don't like actors to have their writing teams with them or the creatives with them. They really want to lean over, um, you know, lean on their guys and rightfully so, but they were very generous and they, they let us, you know, let us do that. And we were able to create a really funny sketch. We did one of the wrestling bits, um, you know, that, that we did, uh, that we had so much fun with. So that's always been a special, you know, experience doing those SNL and that shot. I, I've always been very proud of that shot. That's, that's full sneak-a-doo shot right there. Yeah, man, it's just like so, <laughs> so iconic, man. There's so many legendary people have been through those doors from like Chris Farley and everybody, you know, so that's pretty amazing. You guys got to experience that. Um, and I was kind of curious, like, how do you approach, like, because looking at your work, like you said, you really enjoy black and white. How do you kind of decide uh, when you're going to go black and white or do you kind of just do it after the fact or do you kind of go into projects being like, oh, this is going to be black and white. You already have it in your head or how do you kind of approach that, I guess? Well, it depends. I, I look, I'll typically like, I always prefer black and white. To me, I just feel like it's timeless, right? I think there's something timeless about it and there's something that really drills down about what's happening in the photo and everything disappears. Um, but there will be times where I'm deciding if, you know, if I know, like for example, Baywatch, colorful, outside beach, vibrant, like I knew I was going to do that stuff color. But if we're green screen, if we're on a stage and it's green screen, you don't want to see that green background. I think there's, a, there's, I almost like that green screen aspect because now it's an excuse. I'm like, well, I got to shoot a black and white, um, you know, so I usually choose. And then, but a lot of times I, I, I do run around. I have, um, I have a monochrome camera that I like to shoot. That's just like pure black and white that I'll do as well that I, that I enjoy just shooting. Um, but it really depends the moment. But for me, it's typically when there's color, it's because there was a request for the color, but I will usually defer to the black and white. I just, I just love the black and white shots. Yeah. And a lot of the photos I really enjoyed because as a kid, I was a big wrestling fan. I used to get the magazines yeah. and stuff. And like, yeah, yeah. whenever WrestleMania came around, if you were lucky enough, you got to see it. It was an awesome experience. Yeah. And I thought it was cool. One of the photos, it was like, because uh, Dwayne, he still goes back and he'll do stuff with the wrestling. But it said like, um, when he started getting into movies, his, his, his agents or whatnot um, didn't want him to go back into wrestling. But I thought it was just really cool how he kind of continues to kind of go back to that like fan base and stuff. Yeah, well, you know, 
that's that's his family and that's where it all started he comes from a, a you know a family of wrestlers um that is the business that allowed him and launched him into the stardom he has now and to being able to pursue acting and, and everything else and it's true you know the the representation we had at that time um was a bit limited in their scope and they thought you know hey listen you can't be a movie star and a wrestler if you go wrestle you're going to destroy your movie career and we've always, and these were the same guys that were basically telling him, you can't be that big. You need to lean down. And there was that phase in DJ's life where he was super lean. Um, you know, so uh, eventually got to a point where he's like, I got to be me. It's like, I just got to be me. I want to wrestle. I want to wrestle. And I still want to be a big movie star. I want to be able to do it all. And we found representation that supported that vision. When we got them, things really started to click. And it was like, yeah, let's go start whatever we want to swing for. Let's swing for it. And D had this vision. He's like, you know what? I want to come back. I want to give the fans the biggest WrestleMania they've ever had. And I want to put on a show like they've never seen. Yeah. And we did it. We were able to pull it off. Um, and we came back into the business in a big way. We had a great run. We had a lot of fun. Um, and that was where we actually really started to, you know, that's where you, get, you see some of those behind the, the, the scenes images um, uh, of what we were able to do. And, and we never looked back. But, you know, we've always believed, why can't we do it? Like, well, why are you saying no? It's like, let us try. And if we can't, then you know we and, fail, but at least and we try. You already have millions of fans that have been following him for decades already. So if they love the guy sure. already, they're gonna follow him to see him in the movie. So it seems like yeah, it just makes 100%. sense. And it's a character, you know. The Rock is a character, and it's just no different than a Hobbs character. Like these are all just fun characters, and um, you know, just you know, the Rock just happens to just wear, you know, fighting briefs. That's all. That's the only difference. Just a little bit less clothes, <laughs> and yeah, a lot more, yeah. a lot more oil. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. No, I love the wrestling stuff, man, because it's like wrestling is like acting in itself. Like it, it must have been like good training for him. Just like from going from that to movies, it's like because wrestling, they do that shit every week and it's like a new production. It's like it's pretty wild. It is. It's an unbelievable process and it's so complex. Not only is it just physically unbelievable, it's just a live stunt show every day, live one take. But but like you said, the amount of dialogue that they like his short-term memory machine is like nothing I've ever seen. You know, we'll be doing these, these shows and he will be getting ready to go out on the stage and we will have just written like a two page monologue and gone through it. And I will watch him read through that thing 10 minutes before going on state and then reading that thing, one take perfect unbelievable um but i think the biggest thing we'll always equate to the business is and what he's always loved is ultimately it's the fan connection like his ability to go be in front of eighty thousand people and like be perfectly in sync and they're saying whatever he wants to say and they're cheering him on like that's the fuel that he loves and like i think that's what you feel transfer over into his social media he loves fan interaction and that was always his favorite thing about the business and then it's truly transferred over i think into why he's got so many social media followers because it still allows him to play with the fans and that's that's the biggest thing for him always yeah for sure and then you guys went on to start seven bucks your production company i was kind of curious how that all came together because i believe it's like you your sister uh, uh danny garcia and then Dwayne. Um, how did you guys decide to kind of start that company, I guess? Well, we all, you know, when, once, we, as we started to grow in the business, um, you know, we always had, you know, uh, a desire. We wanted to start to produce and to create content and started to have a production company, um, you know, and you got to kind of start small and that's what we did. But we always, that was always a goal of ours as we started to have more creative control over our projects, be able to kind of have more of an imprint on it, start choosing our own projects, developing them. 
So that was always a hope of having a multifaceted production company that really covered all the bases. And like I was telling you, you know, the, the story behind Seven Bucks of why we wanted to name it that, it was really just kind of the, the grounding anchor of what we're based on. Um, but it was always a dream for us. And we're so proud of how we've been able to grow it and the company continues to grow. And we have like a, you know, we have a creative marketing arm, we have our digital arm, we have our, you know, our film, TV, so forth. It continues to grow. And from that very small, humble beginnings to what it's grown to now, it's, um, we're just so proud of it and honored to be able to play in this game and tell stories. Uh, and we just, you know, fingers crossed, we can just keep growing it and, 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 and kind of expanding to, to, to create more content for the world. And like, how do you guys kind of decide what projects you're going to do? Because I went on your guys' IMBD and it's crazy, man. Like you guys have so many things. It's like you have like dozens of things just in production. I'm like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I was like, it's freaking nuts, man. But like, yeah. how do you guys well, you decide? Know, yeah, I, th I think the first thing is we, we really think about stories that we want to make sure we're telling global stories, whatever it is. And it can be as small as you know, our indie when we did fighting with my family, you know, that was, but that's that was a story. A, I love that, that man. That was a great movie, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. And, and I, you know, that was a global story. Like that story transcends no matter where they're from, the fact that they're English or whatever. But I think a story about family dreams, pursuing dreams, I think there's, there's a universal message there. And, you know, we, we always look for that. We look for stories where, um, like I said before, the audience is ultimately going to feel good. You know, we, whether it's absurd fiction, whether it's based on true events, we just want to leave people feeling better, somewhat inspired. Um, you know, those are the things we look for and, and ultimately content that has features people getting a little bit better, right? You know, we love that aspect of like wherever the person starts, somehow at the end of the journey, they're going to be a little bit better. That very much speaks to our motto and beliefs. But, you know, those are a lot of the things we look for and, and just things that are worthy of, you know, getting people to cinemas, you know, like we were talking about before. We want to create content that people feel is an event to go see and is going to be worth them wanting to leave their house and go see. But, you know, now we're also starting to make stuff that we feel we're very happy for people to be home and watch as well as we get into the streaming world. So, yeah, um, yeah we have big ambitions in it and all, but it's fun to create a big diverse slate. But as long as we leave people happy, feeling good uh, and inspired in some way, we're, we're playing in the right space. And like looking at all the projects you've worked on, like when you look back at, back at them now, like what have been kind of some of the most challenging productions or maybe like a production you felt like you learned a, a lot from um, looking back at all the projects you've worked on at this point, I guess. Well, you learn a ton on every single one. That's the thing, man. It's like you never have it down pat. Every movie is a new uh, process. I think, you know, um, Hobbs and Shaw was a very tough film to make. You know, we were backing into a date uh, we were constantly reworking the script, you know, we were all over the place. So that, that was, and the, and the turnaround time from when that movie wrapped to when the movie had to be released was, you know, that post-production schedule was like 24 weeks. It was crazy. Did it you was guys really shoot Havana, Cuba for that one? No, no, that, that was fast. Uh, that was fast. Yeah, it was one of them. Yeah, that was crazy. I think, I, I think, state. but, um, you know, we shot in London and then we shot in, in Hawaii uh for that that's where we shot but that you know there was that was that was under the gun but some of the most fun probably i had i have to say the jungle cruise jungle cruise was a ton of fun and um jumanji's are super fun that's a, just a big great family all those actors are great um jungle cruise was awesome with emily bunt and, and jack whitehall you know they're like you know at the end of jungle cruise literally um, you know, there was tears. It was almost like graduating from high school because everyone had such a good time. It was just such a warm family that we had created on that. So, um, look, it's an honor to work on all these. All the movies are kind of like your kids. You, you love them all, yep. you know, you, the same. But, um, but you do learn something on every film. 
And um, that's the beauty of it. You're always learning. You're always getting a new curveball. Look, just like on Red Notice, you know, we just got a whole new skill set of producing in terms of now how you deal with protocols going forward with safety and set distancing and, and, and you know, um, all those kinds of procedures. So everything is a, is a new experience that you definitely add to the library of knowledge. Yeah, I was kind of curious because you guys also, you don't just do films, you do TV, like you guys done HBO yeah. Ballers. Um, is there kind of a different approach to producing for TV versus film or is it all just kind of the same or how do you kind of view it? No, I same? mean, they, they, there, there are some differences. Obviously, you know, the way you shoot um, things for TV is a bit different than you would do for film. You know, there's, there's a different scheduling. There's a different approach to coverage. Um, there's a different structure in terms of how you develop. Uh, so, but they're all, it's all fun versions of telling story. I think as long as we can tell stories, we like it in any form. You know, we have a, we have a TV show that we're getting ready to start filming soon. That's based on DJ's life called Young Rock. That'll be on NBC that we're, that's what, what we've been focused on right now. That's going to ramp up for filming. And, um, and again, it's a whole process because you're writing all these episodes and you're checking the episodes and you're getting everything approved and you're doing all different kinds of casting. But obviously the way you approach it is different budgetarily, um, crew wise, it's all, a little bit of a different machine, but at the end of the day, it's a fun way to tell, to do a little bit longer form of storytelling. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited about it. And, and, uh, and that should be coming out um, top of the year next year. No, that's exciting. And uh, yeah, I guess I kind of asked it earlier, but like you guys have so many different things going on, not just your movies and TV productions. You guys even have a tequila company, Termana yeah. Tequila. You have like a, I think like a fitness uh, expo or something you guys do. Called- yeah, Athleticon. How do you guys do manage all this, man? Like, I don't understand it. Like, how do you guys not burn out? Because at the end of the day, like, you guys are human beings and you still have personal relationships. Like, yeah. how do you yeah. how do you manage all this and like not burn out? Well, we're we're very hungry, so we're very hungry and very ambitious. So we we really enjoy um, trying to do these things. But we also have great partners. You know, it's like it's not. You know, I think all great success involves several people, right? And the more minds, the better. The best idea always wins. And, you know, it's aligning yourself with just great partners who are um, of the similar DNA that have that same kind of makeup, um, you know, that nice aspect that we were speaking about that very much like to function like we do. But I think the key is, is when you have big appetite, you want to have partners that share it because you need a team and you need a really good team to be able to achieve these things. And with that, um, that, that kind of team assembled, you know, anything's really possible. So, we're very fortunate to have a great company, to have great partners. Um, we continue to grow, and that allows us to continue to expand our uh, ambitions and our goals um, and have the people around that can help support it and achieve it. For sure. And I guess, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast are like younger photographers. Some of them are filmmakers. Yeah. Um, like, what advice would you kind of give to them if they're just trying to get their foot in the door, like at a production company, like Seven Bucks or whatever it might be, like any type of film production, like, what advice do you kind of give to them to kind of get their foot in the door, I guess? Yeah, I think, look, you know, and from having kind of started, you know, done stuff from the bottom as a production assistant, you know, my first job as a production assistant, I worked for free. You know, you got to kind of be willing to, to just get in there and there's going to be, you know, show, show your worth, work for free, offer that up, you know, seek out a production manager, maybe it's in commercials or a film or something. If you just to get on a set to be a PA, see if there's, um, photographers you like, if you can will it, you know, offer up to assist them and, you know, help them out and then let them see how good you work. And then that will eventually get you in where then, you know, I did my first, um, 
production assistant job going to get paid? And then the next job I was offered, all right, you know, we really like how hard you hustle here. Well, now we'll pay you, you know, so, but you got to be, I think you got to be willing to go for it and really get in it because the truth is, is there are tons of people fighting for those jobs. Like, you know, this business, photography, filmmaking, content, Hollywood, whatever, however you want to call it, there are billions of people who are dreaming of this and that are competing against you. And it's really, you know, it's always a mixture of luck and hard work and you got to grind. But the truth is, um, no matter what, you know, to achieve these things, you got to have big dreams. And the one thing I always like to say is, um, you know, just know that you can never, just never let anyone tell you your dream is done. The only person who can tell you your dream is done where you're like, you know what, I've, I've really, you know, tried my best and maybe this isn't right, it's gotta be yourself. Or otherwise you'll never be able to live with it. It's like, I never had a plan B. I had some people around me who are like, dude, this isn't, it's not gonna happen. Like, you know, you're coming home to no power in your house and I just never gave up. I'm like, you gotta, the only person um, who will know when it's time to change paths is yourself. Just never let anyone tell you your dream's done. You just gotta go for it. Yeah, I think it's just like, also it's like having patience and like really building like a lifelong relationships with the people you're working with. Like, I think it's easy when you're starting out to be like, try to make some like short, try to make some shortcut happen or like some quick transaction. But like, I think, I think I learned is this like, if you really want to work in whatever photography, at least for me, it's like, you got to look at the long-term thing, not like some quick thing, you know? But brother, it takes, from the, from the moment I said I wanted to be a producer, it took me 10 years before I even got a baby credit. Um, you know, just 10 years to that. And then, and then I took another step back before I climbed again. Like you just have to, you know, you just have to be ready to grind. And you also really listen, like ask people, you know, I, I think sometimes you get in these situations where, um, you know, people will ask for advice and then they may not like what they hear. Like, no, I mean, cause it's not going to be easy. I think you said that there really isn't, you know, you always find the anomalies that are blessed and have, wow, just straight to it. But those are the few far, you know, there's, there's very few and far between those uh, that happen. It's like a lot of people, it's just a grind and you got to work and put yourself in there and, and not be afraid to get dirty. And if you stay the course, you know, you'll be surprised that you'll find yourself on the other side. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I guess, uh, you know, you guys at Seven Bucks and Dwayne and yourself, you guys have accomplished a lot and gotten to travel the world together and meet a lot of amazing people and have all these incredible experience like, um, what kind of keeps you guys grounded and what kind of, what are you guys hoping to do moving forward, I guess? Cause it's like, you guys have had these, just looking at the book, I'm like, man, as in <laughs> South Korea, it, 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 like looking back at it, like, like you said, you started from the bottom just doing PA stuff and now you're like traveling around the world. It must be kind of yeah. a trip for you guys just to like, like, man, look where we're at right now. Hey, look, we're, we're blessed. And, and there's so many moments we, we kind of take a, take a, take a beat and, just look around and say, man, how lucky are we to be here? But the truth is, I think what keeps us grounded is we we remember we've come from hum- humble beginnings. I remember what it was like to um, come home and be like the power's off in my house. And it's like, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to sleep. I'm just going to go to sleep and I'll wake up because I won't be able to get it turned back on to the, you know, you had those moments and you never forget them. And, um, you know, I came from two immigrant parents from Cuba and, you know, I know how hard they worked and, you just never forget that the truth is uh, everything can just leave, right? It's like you, you, everything can go away. It's like you can be at the top of the mountain, you can be at the bottom. You just don't know what life is going to, you know, throw your way. So 
I think you always just got to remember to stay grounded, be ready for what can come. Never, never uh, take for granted what you got and never assume it's going to be there the next day. And I think that kind of approach makes us work like there is no tomorrow, you know, and that's why we're so hungry and why we keep pushing because um, none of us, no matter what, ever feel like we're safe. You know, you feel like you, you just never know what's going to come and that fire and that drive uh, is what kind of keeps us moving forward and keeps us on our toes. Perfect. And I guess uh, to wrap up, man, what's next for you, Hiram? Like any goals for your photography or film production or anything you're kind of hoping to work on moving forward? Uh, Yeah, man. Well, you know, always lots of goals. Um, You know, I was going to have, you know, I'm so happy that this book is coming out. I was going to do a a Leica photo gallery in LA, um, you know, this year, but COVID pushed that. So I'm looking forward to having like my first real gallery sometime next year, you know, and, and really kind of being able to put everything out. And, um, you know, just getting back into production. You know, we have a big superhero movie, which I'm a huge superhero fan. As a fanboy inside, I've always wanted to make superhero movies. So we're doing Black Adam next year. That's um, DC, and it's gonna right? be our That's DC, yeah. So that's going to be our big kind of foray into the DC universe. And, you know, we're launching a bunch of characters there and the Justice Society and um, all these great guys. So really looking forward to that and, and building out that universe because it, it's, a, it's a storytelling space we've always wanted to be in just as a as a fan um, growing up. So to now be at a point where we're filmmakers and we can actually tell those stories is really exciting. So looking forward to that and the pictures I can take, but it's going to be a lot of black and white because it's going to be a lot of green screen, buddy. I was wondering like how actors like get into like sitting on a green screen. It's not, it's got to be uh, you gotta be real talented, man, to just get into that mindset of like whatever. It's, the, it's you know, it's it's so standard. And it, look, and it's gotten so good, most people don't even realize. But like, you watch some of those movies, and you know, you'd be a you know, you know, you watch like those giant Avengers movies. Those things are shot in like blue and green. You know, it's just it's just how it goes to create those worlds to go all over the place. And yeah. before you know it, you get lost in the scene and your you know your your partners. But it's definitely. It's definitely wild to see how it is when they're just looking at a tennis ball up in the air and you know in the film is going to be a big monster. <laughs> nuts, man. And so it shows how great those actors are. Oh, and last question I had to ask yeah, you. of course. So, yeah. do you, so do you actually know what The Rock is cooking? I do, man. It's a crazy <laughs> recipe. I just can't tell anyone. I can't tell anyone, but he's cooking something crazy in there, man. he's a hell of a chef he's a hell of a chef <laughs> right on Hiram. well man i really appreciate you taking the time to do this and for anybody listening who wants to like check out more of your work where's the best place for them to go thank you so much man for having me it's really it's been a lot of fun we got to do this again and yeah they can um check me on instagram uh uh and twitter hh garcia 41 i'm on there and uh and you can see some of the stuff i'm shooting and, and working on always welcome perfect thanks Hiram. i guess i'll cut it there Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've been enjoying the podcast and would like to support, you can go to our new Patreon page at patreon.com slash the photo banter. If you sign up, you'll get access to the podcast two days early. I'll put the link in the description. It's uh, patreon.com slash the photo banter. And it's also have to give a big thank you to our guest, Hiram Garcia, for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about his journey through photography and film production. And just, uh, I know I really kind of enjoyed hearing about how they kind of pick what movies they're going to produce and work on. Um, really cool stuff. So can't thank him enough. Uh, definitely go pick up Hiram's new book titled Through the Lens, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, His Life, His Movies, His World. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 
available anywhere you can kind of get books. Um, definitely amazing uh, pictures. It's kind of behind the scenes of uh, his travels and working all these incredible productions like Jumanji and Hobbs and Shaw with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, so definitely go pick up that new book. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as our YouTube page, The Photo Banter. So thanks so much for listening and take care.